We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things green and gold. It is episode 760 today. My name is Mike Wellen, and joining me today, Tyler Grizzagoric. And Tyler, we're a week into camp. We've got some injury news. we got some stuff going on in Baltimore that's fascinating, potentially a new receiver, and just a lot of stuff going on. But it seems like things are going relatively smoothly, and it looks like we're on pace to have some football in 2020. Yes, the interest for the 2020 football season is definitely at its peak right now. Um, I, I, my, my schedule, as I mentioned, I think a couple of weeks ago, is really starting to pick up here. So that tells you everything you need to know. I mean, we're we're a couple of weeks away from week one. Uh, I think I think September 10th, Chiefs Texans is that that first game of the season. Um, I'm so excited for football to be back, and I think so, I'm so excited to continue to talk football on this great uh, great pack a day podcast. So uh, yeah, I'm ready for today's episode for sure. And I'm ready for football. Absolutely. And before we jump into our main topics, you don't forget to follow us on Twitter at pack a day podcast and find us wherever you can find podcasts. Give us a subscription, a comment, let us know what we're doing and let us know what topics you'd like us to talk about going forward as well. And before we jump into Packer stuff, there was some interesting news out of Baltimore involving Earl Thomas. Of course, a lot of people were calling to trade for Earl Thomas for about the past seven years on, on to try and bring him in. And, they were, and he cleared it up himself afterwards, but there was a miscommunication and a lot of verbal sparring. I, don't, I couldn't tell if it got physical or not, but Earl Thomas was kicked out of practice today, on Saturday, by the Ravens. 
but he's and then there was some speculation about whether it would cost him his role on the team. Uh, I don't think it will, but well, have you heard about it? What do you think about with this whole time of situation? Uh, well, just for transparency, I think it was actually Friday, uh, but he, he he released a statement this morning regarding it. Um, he was kicked out of practice yesterday. Did not practice today, which is Saturday. So, uh, I from what I understand, it was basically uh, a teammate trying to hold him accountable. Um, because he made a mistake in, in coverage or something like that. And um, Chuck Clark, I believe, one of the other Ravens safeties. And then um, Earl Thomas got frustrated, and eventually it got physical. And I do, I do believe that there were punches thrown. Um, and so he was asked to leave practice and did not come back today. So definitely a situation to monitor in Baltimore. However, I, you know, we were talking about it before we got on the recording here. I, I, doubt, I doubt the Packers have any interest in that. And, you know, it's kind of like the... I don't want to necessarily fully equate it to Antonio Brown, but at the same time, the types of players you're bringing into your organization, I think, is key. And if this is as, I don't want to call it concerning, but if this is as concerning as it looks for Earl Thomas and, and the way he handled himself, then I think that that's something you don't want in your locker room. No, I, I agree with you on that. And that's the one thing about Baltimore is they have such a tight-knit team for as far as I can remember. Uh, especially under uh, the Scotty uh, ownership, and, and under Harbaugh being the, John Harbaugh being the coach, is that that team has been so tight knit and so and such a strong locker room that if if cracks are to to form in that, that's that's a definitely a big story uh, at least NFL wise to see if a team like Baltimore can start to fracture. But I agree, with you I don't think it's that big of a deal right now. We'll see how it goes forward, and I don't see any future where he ends up in Green. They have their own version of him or what they hope will be him in Darnell Savage anyway. And their depth at safety is pretty good right now. So I think their Packers are in good shape there. But one spot that, again, there's been the talk all offseason and going into camp has been wide receiver. And according to his own personal Twitter account, Michael Petway is on his way into Green Bay. He says the opportunity of a lifetime. Petway is a 6'2", about 220 receiver. Uh, out of Iowa State, he played his first three seasons at Arkansas, transferred to Iowa State, became honorable mention, all Big 12, starting 10 of the 13 games. Second on the team in catches, fourth in yards, had six touchdowns. He he was second on the team in third down conversion rate, at 19 catches on third or fourth down. So he, he so he's got some decent numbers, good size, and the Packers have shown they like their bigger receivers who can really run, uh, really be physical. Uh, do you think it's just a, a camp body? Do you think there's anything? Any fire to this? Because there's been some receivers that have been really stepping up in practice. Yeah, I, I honestly, I say it all the time. Competition is going to breed your best, your best talent, your best, your best players. And so, add as much competition as you can, especially to those positions where you need somebody to step up, like wide receiver. Um, you know, unfortunately for Petway, I think that the a, a path to a roster spot is very bleak. Um, but that's not to say that he can't come in and, you know, turn some heads. Uh, they, they did bring in Malik Turner recently as well, probably another camp body for the most part. But at the same time, you know, keep adding competition to that room, make those guys step up. And uh, we were talking about it also before we got on the recording. It sounds like it's actually forcing some of these guys to step up and some of these receivers are stepping up and making plays in, in camp. Absolutely. And, and, and guys like, like Michael Pedway is, is where we, where we miss preseason too. Like we're, we, we, there's been some talk about undrafted guys through packs like Stanford Samuels had a pretty big day. Uh, Tipa Galay had an, a solid week as well, guys like that. Where these undrafted guys are guys who are brought in partway through camp, they're really behind the eight ball because they're not going to see any live reps, really, until except for in practice, and that puts them just a little bit further behind. 
So Petway is a guy where at the very least he can maybe get some practice tape on him on himself, can get his name out there saying, hey, I did try with the Packers. I, I was on the roster for a little bit. So if he's looking for maybe other teams or whether the, it's the XFL coming back next year, stuff like that, and there's always the chance of like, hey, I was on an NFL roster for at least for a little bit going forward. That can really, really help a, a young guy like this. It build up his resume. Well, and then just to be clear, because I'm not sure if we did actually say it, it was just a tryout. So he hasn't actually made the roster yet. Just to make that clear to, to the listeners. But, um, you know, still, the tryout is going to be key for a guy, a young guy coming out of college regardless, um, who has some, you know, like you said, he has some accolades to his name. I mean, being a Big 12 receiver and being an honorable um honorable all-conference member is a pretty big deal. You know, it's not not easy. So um, definitely has some accolades to his name, get some more professional professional film under his belt. Um, Maybe he can get an opportunity elsewhere. I'm not saying he can't do it in Green Bay. It's just going to be an uphill climb. And so, but all the best of luck to him. Absolutely. Even beyond that, very quickly with him, he was a big-time recruit out of high school as well. Went to the SEC, had offers from Alabama, Auburn, LSU, and Ohio State. They turned down to go to Arkansas. So he's a four-star recruit. Got his degree at Arkansas, then became a grad transfer. So he's definitely got a bright future no matter what, and hopefully that can continue with him in some football as well. Agreed. Agreed. I'm always rooting for the young guys to make a name for themselves. Absolutely. And so before we get to our main topic quickly as well, again, a quick practice recap for Saturday. Uh, coming into Saturday, Rob DeMoss got some fun stats that Tim Boyle had gotten 20 of 29 in team periods passing. Jordan Love was 17 of 31, and Aaron Rodgers had thrown four interceptions, two of which to Adrian Amos. But... But going forward, uh, it didn't, who didn't practice, Montrevious Adams had a boot on his right foot. He had that toe injury. Uh, Rick Wagner didn't practice. Uh, it seems like he a left arm injury. And Jair Alexander and Zadari Smith looked to be held off for precautionary reasons. And then from what I could see from other people's Twitter feeds, from Aaron Negler, Andy Herman, so on, and, and a lot of the Packers writers as well, the, the other people from the Press Gazette and the Journal, it seemed like it was a good day for Marcos Veldez-Scanling, Economy St. Brown, and Darius Shepard. Seeing the go three guys specifically had some really, really good days. Receivers, Reggie Bagleton's made some noise in camp as well, as well as on the, on the defensive side, Josh Jackson had some, like he had some good plays. Kevin King had some really nice plays. And it sounded like Dean Lowry seemed to have gotten stronger because they were, I, I can't remember who tweeted out, but they said that he was blowing coming out of his stance. So there's some guys who, who needed to step up, and hopefully these could be the first step for them to step up starting with practice today. Yeah, and the two names that I really want to highlight there are EQ and Josh Jackson because today is not the first day that their names have been mentioned as as having good days in camp. Uh, EQ specifically, now we were talking again offline, but we were talking about his ankle injury and how he talked about on the Zoom call that he had the surgery for the ankle injury uh, back in October, but he's been uh, pretty much at full health since earlier this year. I think we said February. Um, so that's good for him. I'm, I'm so happy for him to get back into camp and finally getting getting some good reps with with the quarterbacks Aaron Rodgers and probably. Jordan Love, you know, those are the two quarterbacks you really want to get good reps with, but uh, Tim Boyle um, has been <laughs> fighting for that number two job. You gotta love, you gotta love the guy. You know, when, when Andy, Her- uh, Andy Herman first started talking about Tim Boyle, I'm like, okay, it's, it's a fun little topic, like, it's cool, but you know, what's, what's his future in Green Bay? And now you're sitting here two years later, and we're still talking about Tim Boyle, and he's He's fighting the number one um, number one draft pick for the Packers for the for the backup quarterback spot. So uh, it's a really fun story. Uh, you gotta love Tim Boyle putting up a fight. Uh, they're probably gonna carry three quarterbacks now, and so that's all you can really ask out of these guys is to force the Packers to make tough decisions like that. But um, moving back to the wide receivers real quick, as I digress, the uh, EQ um, love to see him step up because I think that there's a legitimate role for him on this team. Um, same thing with Marcus Valdez Scantling, uh, Darius Shepard. I, I, I honestly believe his 
his path to a roster spot is a little bit more murky um, just because I think that they would go with some guys who have some pedigree. The way that he's going to make this roster is as a returner, and last year he struggled in that role um, when it mattered in the regular season. So we'll see if he can uh, continue to improve uh, some of his ball security issues. And, you know, I we haven't seen him since, what, it was early 2019. So it's been a while because I think he got hurt too, if I remember correctly. Shepard's last game, I think, was a Monday night Detroit game. Because that was he 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 muffed a punt and had the interception of the goal line that bounced off his face mask. I think he I think he was dropped he was cutting them into the practice squad the next day. Okay, so that's what it was. And so then, um, you know, I'm just hoping that he can because he had some really really bright flashes in in, in camp and pre uh, preseason last year, uh, and unfortunately just kind of bit the bullet when it came to. Uh, the first part of the regular season. So hopefully he can put it together and he can also force the Packers to make another tough decision. And with all these new new roster rules, uh, who knows what the Packers are going to do, honestly. So we'll see. Uh, But it's it's good that the receivers are showing out because they didn't address it really in the offseason. They added Funches, who that's kind of a – kind of a some zero because he's no longer playing for the team this year. So it's really not, they didn't really didn't do anything this offseason to add to the wide receiver room other than adding some back-end guys. So these guys are going to have to step up, and it's good to see that they're doing that. Absolutely, and I guess a couple quick notes before, he, uh, just on that as well. Uh, EQ did say, like he said, he had to have tightrope surgery to fix his ankle sprain after his injury in, uh, in Winnipeg. That happened in late October, early November, but he's back to 100%. And during the offseason, he he worked out back in California with his two brothers who play at USC and Stanford, and Deshaun Kaiser, who is his quarterback during the offseason. So the, so that that uh, duo stays together, at least for this offseason. And I'm sure the chemistry was there and a chance for him to work with his brothers. And honestly, I just hope the Packers draft both of them so they can have the Saints-Brown together for, for a couple years, have three of them, just... Why not? You'd have the greatest collection of names in the NFL. Hey, Amonro St. Brown is actually not terrible either. He's pretty good. He's been pretty good at USC, and I was actually watching, looking forward to watching him this year. Uh, but the Pac-12 doesn't look like they're gonna be playing football, so hopefully that changes. But um, or he transfers out. He could transfer out too. College football is a mess. But um, yeah, Amonro St. Brown might be more talented than his brother, which is saying something because of the uh, type of athlete that EQ is. So I love, I love the bearing the lead of college football is a mess because you're absolutely right. There's no there's no good way to talk about it, unfortunately. There's just not. So, you're, you're absolutely right. So that being said, let's jump into our main topic. And you put it on Twitter before we started recording trying to find some. And uh, I think you had the tweet up. If you want to give the reference of who it is and kind of go over what we're going to talk about, I'll let yeah, you do let that. Yeah, let me pull up the reference really quickly so we can give a quick shout-out. <clears throat> uh, thank you to everybody who provided a topic, by the way. Um, because we were kind of at a loss up to about an hour ago, uh, and then I just threw it out on Twitter and asked the team to help out. So we can thank DJ Garcia for bringing up the Michael Petway um, at, at Dave's MX6, and then the other gentleman who brought up the defense, which we're going to talk about, um, is <laughs> it just says Nick at 262 underscore Nick. So uh, he provided us the topic of talking about the defense. Uh, we're going to take what he said and kind of change it up a little bit. He said that the defense needed to be a top two for the Packers to win a Super Bowl with Rodgers. I'm not going to talk about that uh, extreme measure, but at the same time, we're going to talk about how good the defense uh, needs to be um, for the Packers to really make a Super Bowl push this year and how good they can be, uh, which I think is just an incredibly fascinating topic considering the last couple of years we've watched the evolution of this defense under Mike Patton, the addition of Darius Smith, Jair Alexander, Preston Smith, um, 
the evolution of Kenny Clark, some of these guys on this roster. So um, I think it's going to be a really fun topic. Well, absolutely, and and that like, it was all the, all the all the other coaches. Obviously, Mike Smith it became viral on on Friday with 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 what he's talked with what he talked about and about pressures and to the point where it got covered up by everyone's favorite writer Mike Florio and Pro Football Talk and Zedarius even retweeted saying finally someone gets it that pressures are more important than sacks. Now, obviously we uh. I talked last week when I how important and how Jerry Montgomery is more likely, to, I think, to be a coordinator and eventually head coach sooner than we think for all good he is. And then Jerry Gray was pretty hands-on with the corners today from what I was able to read from practice. And he was specifically working a lot with Kadar Holman as far as a lot of it was, was hands. Keep your hands in. I think that's something that guys like Josh Jackson could really help with because he did so, such good in Minnesota with guys like Xavier Rhodes who came in pretty handsy and let them be able to use their athleticism and their natural ability to shine as corners. So I think that's going to help a lot. So I think this, the ceiling of this defense is sky high, and it starts with the coaching staff. Oh, I, I think that the staff that Mike Patton has assembled is one of the best defensive coaching staffs that we've seen in its entirety from top to bottom in Green Bay. Um, the coaches, uh, they're all excited to be here. They're all excited about the players that they get to work with. I think that they, based off of the interactions that we get, the minimal minimal interactions that we get through social media and such, I think that they're all really good fits with each other. Um, you know, when you had guys under Dom Capers, uh, it just seemed like sometimes they had different philosophies uh, and different ways of attacking things. Um, but it does, it, like, I feel like Mike Patton and Mike Smith are, like, best friends. Like, I feel like they could be best friends. And I think that really bodes well for how you want to install your, your game plans, how you want to teach your guys to do what you want to do. You know, I think that they really mirror each other well. And it's really shown because some of the ways that they've done things is they've gotten players who – for, let's, let's address the edge group real quick. You know, they brought in Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith. Obviously, they, they saw that they needed to revamp that room. So they go out and get Mike Smith to coach. They go out and get him his own little project and Rayshon Gary, who he's, he's been beaming about the last couple of days. And then they add Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith, a couple of veteran pass rushers who have been, who are selfless, who come in and just do the dirty work and do exactly what they need him to do. And I think that this rubbed off on, you know, the younger guys, like, uh, Rayshon Gary, and they talked about Jonathan Garvin, you know, some of these guys that, that will need that push. And uh, Rayshon Gary at, at Michigan was rather disappointing at times. And I, it's hard for me to say, but, you know, his defensive coach there, uh, Dom Brown, I think his name is, if I remember correctly, the defensive coordinator for Michigan, he always was glowing when talking about Rayshon Gary. And so it's good to see that kind of follow him and the work ethic follow him and, and ultimately the Packers are now going to be on the edge. They are going to be in the conversation if Rayshon Gary steps up this year of having one of the best edge groups in the NFL. And so it, it just, it's, it's just to watch it all come together over the past couple of years and now reflect, it's pretty, pretty fun and pretty crazy at the same time. Well, absolutely. And that's something, uh, again, I talked about with Andy and engage on the, the locker room uh, app on Thursday. And then they brought the point of this edge group of you have Gary and the Smiths who are, more power guys who they're big, strong, they're going to run you over if they need to. Then you can mix it up with guys like Garvin or Tim Williams, who has had a solid camp, or Randy Ramsey or, or Tipo Galay, who are, who are a little smaller, but they're lightning quick. They, are, they have good anticipation. They can turn the corner. So if you have that kind of mix, you can maybe give Preston a little bit more of a break, and you can bring in Garvin to bring some speed in there. It was much like we saw what, what Fackerel. Fackerel brought a little more technique and finesse compared to these other guys, 
past couple years. But now you have that mix and you have a coach like Mike Smith who's who's going to be that gung-ho, in-your-face, rah-rah type coach who's going to get these guys motivated. And and this edge group, I think I think you're right, this could be a top three or four edge group in the NFL when all of a sudden done. You could, you could have three guys with eight sacks. Well, sacks aren't everything. Let's let's right. let's touch on that real quick. <laughs> You're right. Because both Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith finished in the top ten in the NFL in pressures last year, and Mike Smith made sure that we knew that in his Zoom call a couple of days ago. He he's excited about these guys. If he's if you know, and his his excitement was just infectious. That's the word I was looking for. Thank you. It was infectious. It makes me so excited about what these guys can do and what they can lead Ray Sean Gary to do. Because ultimately, I think he's the key to unlocking this entire defense. If you can line those three up with Kenny Clark, maybe a fifth defensive lineman, Snacks Harrison, or another another nose tackle, or we'll talk about Dean Lowry earlier. You know, if he can step up and be that that guy who can eat up bodies for Kenny Clark or Tyler Lancaster, just one of those guys can step up a little bit more. If you can have a fifth guy step up with those four, it, it, watch out for this front because you're not going to need linebackers. You have Christian Kirksey roaming with with your three safeties. You know your Raven Green, Adrian Amos, Dar- Darnell Savage, or you know your three corners. However you want to run it, Josh Jackson. Uh, Kevin King, Jair Alexander. There's pieces there to do so many different things, and I think that's ultimately what Patton's been wanting to do. And it's it's just incredibly fulfilling to see it all kind of start to come full picture. Well, absolutely. And we've talked for two years now about the the illusion of complexity with Matt Lafleur, and I think that's going to be the same way with this defense. And I think that's going to put show how their ceiling can be. And and you talked about uh, Christian Kirksey. Let's talk about the linebackers quickly as well, because you have Kirksey, who has been arguably the MVP of camp. He has been lights out. He's been spilling coverage. He's got an interception, and he's, he's been covering tight ends of running backs like, it, like it's no one's business. And then but behind him, I've, Oren Burks is healthy. You know, that, that's going to be a thing. He got, he's, got some, he's gotten some, some good reps, and it sounds like he's been pretty promising. Kamal Martin's been taking some steps every single day to the point where Matt LeFleur singled him out today for, his, for his athleticism and his length. So there's... There's some linebackers there. You have to, uh, Ty Summers back as well, who's going to be a core four special teams guy. So, like, you, it's just this middle group, this edge, the edge and the linebackers. If Kirksey can can hit and he can stay healthy, if Burks can stay healthy, if Martin develops, th- this group has got again the ceiling for the team. They don't need to be top two, but the but this the the better they do this, the higher that ceiling hits the easier it is for Aaron Rodgers. It's true. It's incredibly true. And, you know, I don't necessarily don't necessarily agree with the statement that he needs a top defense to take the team to the Super Bowl. But at the same time, he's getting older. Every little bit that you can, every little bit of help that you can give him at this point is going to be key. And, you know, you talk about the linebackers. They don't have to be a top five group. They don't have to be top ten group. Just be average. You know, just be an average group of linebackers, which is something that this, this Green Bay team has not really had. You know, because they had Blake Martinez, but he was, was rather one-dimensional uh, when he was on the field, which is unfortunate. And to see his departure to New York, I hope he has success with the Giants. But it, he wasn't good in coverage, and it really hurt this team a lot of times. And, you know, I'm hoping that they can find somebody to, to kind of be the run-stuffing guy like Mike Martinez was. But if this group can be average, this defense will be better than it was last year. And the defense was pretty good already last year. They were opportunistic. They created pressure. I don't see the pressure going away. I don't see any reason why it would go away. You know, they've got Clark locked up now for the next uh, next five years, if you count this season. And and then you got Zadarius and Preston for the next three years. Like, it's – the framework is here for this defense to be good for a, a few years. And it's um, – 
the, the more that these guys gel, the more that they, you know, the more that they all learn the game together, the more that they all learn this scheme together, how each other is going to work, it's just going to get better. And, and, you know, I think, not to digress more, but this is why a guy like Tremont Williams is also important. A guy who understands the different areas of the defense, a secondary master, let's put it at that, a guy who understands exactly what his group needs to do. Who's going to be that guy in the secondary this year? Is it, is it Adrian Amos? I think he's probably your best bet. Because I don't, I don't, like, as much as Jair Alexander is a leader on this team, I don't see him being that guy. Not to say he can't, but I, I think it's more of an Adrian Amos role to fill. What do you think? Who's, who's going to be that, like, captain of the secondary, uh, the, sec- the back half of this defense? Honestly, I think it's going to be Jerry Gray. Uh, you, you bring in a coach who's got decades of experience in the NFL, working with you, these guys who's built up young players, Amos is, Amos is the old man at 27 now in that secondary, which is sad because I'm 29 and I feel like, what am I doing with my life? But you bring in a guy like Gray who's going to be, he's probably going to be on the field. He'll probably be on the sidelines working with these guys. You have Amos, Amos who was the fundamental safety. He, he's not flashy. He's, he's not going to make the crazy wild plays like you saw from Earl Thomas or Troy Polamalu, but he's not going to be out of position. He's not going to make these colossal mistakes, and you know he's going to be reliable. So I think that's going to be big. But as far as like leadership goes, I think it's going to be a team effort. And, and that was another thing that uh, some of the beat guys have noticed and some of the coaches have talked about is the continuity on this defense. And Christian Kirksey's come into a leadership role right away. Obviously, Zadarius is the leader of the defensive, not the team. Uh, Jair is growing, up as a, growing more as a leader. Amos is growing as a leader. I've heard some stuff about King, uh, Kenny Clark, like Preston. All these guys are finding their roles, finding their voices in this locker room. And during what is going to be a very bizarre year, having that continuity, having all those guys gelling together, I think means that you don't necessarily need that one person to be that glue. You can have everyone play their role, and it, it becomes more one unit than one guy solidifying a unit by himself. Completely agree. And, we, you know, we watched, this, we watched this defensive unit last year really come together uh, throughout the season. You know, you noticed it in the preseason, just how much fun they were having with each other, the way that they were celebrating, the way that they were, you know, just moving around, moving the pieces around on the, on the defensive side of the ball before the snap. But you could tell that there was communication, there was trust, there was, there was, they were having fun, you know, and that was something before last year we had not had in Green Bay in a while. That defense was lacking swagger. It was lacking energy. It was lacking everything you need to be a good defense. You know, the, the pressures play a big part of it, but honestly, the the attitude and that 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 demeanor of we're going to we're going to tackle you we're going to sack you we're going to hit you hard this is not going to be easy for you that goes so much further than than you would think because it's just it's defense is half mental there's only so many things the defense can do on on their side of the ball to counter what the offense is doing but when you get into the demeanor part of it, it, it really takes a toll on an offense if if you're just relentless and, and physical on every single snap. And I, that's what that's what we saw from this defense last year. And like I said, I, I think it's a it's become a core of the, of this defense. And I think that's something that we're going to going to continue to see. And I'm excited to watch it continue to grow because I think the ceiling is is top five in the league. You talk about that swagger and that and there's four guys to me that stick out when you talk about that kind of demeanor. And it's obviously it's the two Smiths, specifically Zadarius, because obviously his creativity with celebration and stuff like that and the way he helped, he started the D-Train movement and, and all the team celebrations I think is big, like how he got the emotion there. 
but then also Jair Alexander and Kevin King. King is fearless. Uh, as, a, as a guy who's, who fought injuries, fought some consistency issues, he has a short memory and he has no worry about about any play he's going to make. He, he If he thinks he's going to make the play, he's going to be out there, he's going to be giving it his, his all, and he's going to he's gonna be in your face with it a little bit as well. And so I think him and Jair make that great, confident duo at corner. You have the Smith at the edge. And then even up front, Kenny Clark's found his voice a little bit more and more as well on the field. And, cause it, and, and you're right, so much of that, that, that attitude of you're not going to get the better of me. And how many coaches talk about you got to beat your guy in front of you? It's one on one. Win your battle and help and help the team win win the war. I, I I think that's big, and I think that attitude shift that the team has had the past few years has really gone a long way toward that. And I think having those younger guys who are much more charismatic has really helped with that. One hundred percent. And you know the that was honestly my biggest problem with all the Dom Capers units is I just felt like they were they were blah. Everybody was on the field, but. They were just there. They were just there. They were just there. they were just doing a job. It didn't feel like there was a bigger purpose. A lot of times, it, it, it really felt like um, it was a lot of individuals just trying to to, to work together. Um, and it wasn't the team. It wasn't a unit of guys. Um, and you can have an average group of players, but if they're if they're all going to be on the same page, they're all going to trust each other. That's going to elevate that group into being an elite group. And I I, I think that this. <laughs> I already said it, but I really do believe that this unit, this unit of Packers defenders, has an opportunity to be a top five defense in the league, and really carry this team um, without a elite Aaron Rodgers. You know, if, if if it's a very good Aaron Rodgers, then this team is easily a playoff team with with a top five defense. No, no, absolutely, and and so I guess with that being said, let's let's touch on the defensive line a little bit because that's going to go hand in hand with our front seven because. All the talk is going to be about how are they going to stop the run, how are they going to stop the run, uh, how, how is San Francisco going to take it to him again, so on and so forth. Obviously, Kenny Clark's locked in. Dean Lowry is locked into his contract. Uh, Lancaster's got to be, you're hoping that he can make a jump. Trayvon Hester is a guy who can be a good role player. Uh, Kingsley Kiki, who has gotten some pr- a lot of praise as well, and I know, obviously, a personal favorite of yours the past since he got drafted. Uh, Montrevious Adams was getting some high-profile snaps in the first couple of days of camp before he got hurt. And he's and he's in essentially a make it or break it year. So there there's pieces there and there's talent there with all those guys. But how are they going to work in tandem with with the edge guys with the linebackers? Do you think that's going to help help this team take that next step? I how are they going to work together? Is the because honestly the way I view the defense is this: I view it as Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith as your, are obviously your pass rushers. Rashawn Gary is going to push for pass rush snaps as he should, you know, because we can't do again what 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 the Packers did last year with Preston Zedarius and running them out there for ninety percent of snaps. We can't do that. That that was just it, it really takes a toll on those guys towards the end of the year. Um, and so a a third pass rusher and maybe a fourth to help them guys help those guys relieve their snaps. Maybe you push Zedarius inside inside a little bit more, um, but honestly, I think it's just going to be Clark. And then a rotation of like three or four guys, you know, maybe you take Clark off for a couple of snaps and you throw two of those three or four guys on the field at the same time. But really, it's going to be Zadarius, Clark, and Preston, and then whoever else can, whoever else is is, is got the hot hand is that second defensive lineman on the interior. If not, you're playing two of them, playing five across the front. I actually kind of like that idea of playing five across the front um, and then running one linebacker. But at the same time, like it, it's really dependent upon really, really dependent upon who just has the hot hand. And I, I like Kiki. 
uh, you know, we, we had the opportunity to talk to him um, on an earlier episode of the Pack-A-Day podcast, and he, he he was trying to be humble, but he wanted to say himself as a guy who's ready to break out. Uh, you know, I, I, I believe it. It's a guy who uh, he's gotten praise from others uh, around him, and it, I, I think that the path for him to become relevant is easier than anybody else on this defense in terms of a, a breakout player because he's going to have Clark aside of him eating up bodies. Clark's not going to get pushed around. You know, Zadarius and Preston are going to do their thing. So, honestly, Kiki's just going to have to worry about himself, maybe winning a one-on-one battle here and there. Uh, whoever it is, it could be Lancaster, it could be Lowry, too, having to win a one-on-one battle here and there. That's all they're going to have to do. Their job will be rather simple. It should be rather simple, you would think. And so I'm hoping somebody can step up. I think there's that solid group, about three to four guys besides Clark, who can step up. Uh, I'm with you, and I think that's going to help Kiki also that he's in the same position back-to-back years because he got moved around so much at A&M, that he, and he had to change his body type, and he had to change his, his thought processes and his studying habits and with how he had to change positions. Now he's set in the same spot for his second year in a row. He's on a, in a pro system getting professional, medical, nutrition, everything there. So I think I think I'm with you with that. That he's if anyone's going to make a jump, I think it'll be him. I think we know what Dean Lowry is at this point. He's 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 a good he's a good hand. He's a good guy to have. He's a blue collar, hard work, lunch pal guy. To use every cliche known to man for a guy who for every Northwestern player going back to the '90s. But I, I but he with him, I think Adams is another guy who can who's got a who can maybe make something if he can stay on the field because I he got so much praise last year. Battled injuries again. Battling injury an injury now. So, but he's a guy where a lot of his teammates seem to think highly of him, so I'm, I'm hoping to see him make another step. But but then as we, as we move back into the secondary, things are a little bit more set. We have our, 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 our core four. You have Amos and Savage at safety, Alexander and King at corner, but then you get to the question of who's going to be the nickel. Is it Sullivan? Is it Jackson? Where does, what does Raven Green do? Is he, is he going to be that, that, uh, that nickel and dime linebacker again? Do we see Will Redmond get some snaps? Does Vernon Scott find his way out there? Because he's had a really good camp as well. There's so many different things. Stanford Samuels had a good camp. There's so many pieces in the secondary that they're young, they're hungry, they're really athletic, and one of them's going into a contract year. So you got to think they're going to be up to perform at the best they can. The biggest question for the secondary, specifically the corner group, I don't think there's too many injury concerns at this point knocking on wood with um, with Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage. Uh, Savage had the ankle injury, I think, last year, but he came back rather quickly from it. Um, so there's not too many injury concerns with those two. It's more with Jair and King at this point, because if one of them does go down, it's going to be rough, because you're going to be asking Josh Jackson, most likely Josh Jackson, to step up into a bigger role, because I don't know who else besides, you know, after him, Kadar Holman, you know, uh, Shannon Sullivan. Who, who are you asking to step up into that, that second corner role, if Jair or King go down, it's going to be a really they the the success of that secondary is going to be very health dependent. Um, there's a lot of young guys on the roster, and you know there was a lot of young guys last year and the year before that. But you had a guy like Tremont Williams to really teach them the ropes, and this kind of leads me back to the question I initially proposed when we kind of started talking about all this: Who's going to be that guy to say, "This is what you need to do. This is where you need to be." And this is how you need to do it. Who's going to be that guy? Because uh, Tremont Williams, I don't believe he's coming back at this point. Maybe mid, maybe mid-season if if he's still healthy and he wants to play and they need somebody. But at this point, who's who's going to be that guy? I, I don't know. 
I don't know who it is. I want to say Jair. I want him to step up into that role. I just don't know if he's going to. Um, maybe it's Kevin King. You know, if, if he could have another healthy year, uh, then all he's going to get a big contract at free agency. If he has another good healthy year uh, where he puts up a couple picks and you know he has a, an underrated year, like he, I think that that's a whole other podcast we could have. How underrated Kevin King was last year because he's, he was so overshadowed by the first two years of his career, but. If those guys can stay healthy, I think they'll be good. Um, and I, the, I'm not as worried about the youth behind them, but I am worried about the youth behind them at this point because if one of them goes down, I don't, I just don't know how it's going to work. And, and I'm with you on that to an extent because I think that's where the point where, where I brought up Jerry earlier. I think where he comes in, and that's the one thing that maybe could be benefiting from no preseason as well because with no preseason, that's it's more more one on one time with these coaches and more and more film study, more and more hands on coaching and. And we've seen already the first week or so, Josh Jackson has seemed to be a lot less grabby. He's been much more sticky in coverage. And he was able to hold his own fairly well with guys like Devontae Adams. And I think that'll help. Uh, Shannon Sullivan seems to have really emerged in, again, another waiver wire find by Brian Gutekunst in the Packers front office. Uh, Kadar Holman's had some uh, some good moments. Samuels had some good moments. Like There's there's these guys who are making their, 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 their wares known. And I think if, if Jackson can make the year three step, because... We were expecting that last year, but he got hurt. Remember, Jackson never—I don't think he was ever really healthy enough to play too much defense last year because he had that. His entire training camp got wiped out with the foot. He came back and played special teams, but at that point, Alexander and King were healthy. They were stepping up and they were playing really well. Sullivan had found a spot. Tremont had a renaissance, and so there was there weren't snaps for Jackson. So I think the talents there. Obviously, you can't teach those ball skills that he has. So as long as as long as he can keep his his legs strong and and really dialed in and and doesn't grab I think then that other outside corner spot could be his and that'll and I think for me that would allow a guy like Jerry Alexander to play the Woodson role where you can move him around you can play him outside you can play him in the slide you can have him blitz you can have him kind of just kind of freelance because the guy's a playmaker he doesn't catch really anything but he's a playmaker he he, he's able to knock the ball down he's not afraid to hit he's not afraid to get his nose in there and, and outside of the now viral clip of AJ Dillon eating his lunch, he, he's a guy who's going to be make who's going to be involved in every single play. Well, and most of the a good part of the league in terms of secondary players, maybe even some most linebackers maybe are going to get run over by AJ Dillon. It's just the it's just the way it's going to be. The 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 physical matchup there is just ridiculous. Um, and that's another thing we can talk about on another day. I'm excited to watch that in Green Bay, um, but. The, I completely agree, and I think we talked about this earlier in the offseason, how this could be a big year for Jair in a way where he could really take a step forward. He could really cement himself as an elite defender in this league. I think he's already considered as one of the top defenders in the league, but he could really cement himself as an elite defender. A Charles Woodson role on, for him on this defense would be so much fun to watch. I, I think a guy like Jair, he's a playmaker. He's got that swagger. He's got that energy. He's got that that's my ball and give it to me mentality. You gotta get him around the ball as much as you possibly can. Make him your chess piece. I think that's what Patton's been looking for. We talked about it before. He's been looking for a guy that he can just say, I need you to do this on this play. I need you to make this play for me. I think Jair can be that guy. It all depends if Josh Jackson can step up. And actually, you know what? It doesn't have to be Josh Jackson. It could be Holman. It could be Sullivan. I don't think it will be Samuels this year, uh, but it could be one of those other guys, those other corners that are sitting on the roster for coming into their second year. 
Holman probably has the best chance behind Josh Jackson, I think, to be an outside corner in this system. I think that that Patton wants him to be an outside corner in this system. So if you, if you can get Holman on the outside pressing up with, with Kevin King, next thing you know, you're setting Jair off the blitz with, with Preston on one side and you got Zadarius on the other with Clark and Gary or however you want to do it. Like that's a five man rush that you're putting five of your best players going after the quarterback at one time. It's, it's quite a thought and it's something that really excites me. Um, and so, the the possibilities of this defense, the 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 matchups that Patton can create, you know, we've seen him. He likes to go from week to week, changing things up to try and, which is the way it should be, obviously, but to try and you know really throw the offenses for a loop um, doesn't always work. Sometimes, you know, I think I'd like to see the defense as a whole clean up big plays, but for the most part, not going to complain about the defense. They've they've been they've done a fantastic job, and I think they're only going to get better. So. I think that really for them to take that next step into the elite echelon of defense of defenses, it's going to have to involve Jair really taking a step forward this year into a Charles Woodson role or making sure he's got stickier hands and, and grabbing a few more of those interceptions and really kind of finishing off plays. Well, absolutely. And then the entire time you're talking, the only thing going through my mind was the play last year against Denver when he took the ball from Noah Fant and he forced any, and, and I guess imagine him blitzing and doing that to a quarterback. Because we, we saw Clay Matthews do that a couple times to guys, including Adrian Peterson. So if you can get Jair to that, who's a little bit faster, obviously, in him taking off down the field, there's no one catching him. Like, if you can get him a free run at the quarterback, it could be six points. So I, I think if they can find that, and whether it's Jackson or Holman or Sullivan, who seems to be more of a slot guy right now, and then, but in, even if you, and then you bring, and then you have guys who you can bring into the box like Raven Green, who can cover the middle of the field who's going to be physical, and a guy who has come in more jacked than really anyone on the team besides maybe A.J. Dillon, and to the point where they asked him, he's listed on the roster at 197. They, he asked him, he goes, no, I was 212 last year, I'm 208 now. And so he, he's a guy who's, who is now built for that hybrid role that, we're, that we've seen emerge the past five, six years. So you have Raven Green there, you have Scott and, and Redmond, who can be special teams guys like and, and you're right, just the chess match that Petten's going to like to play, and and you're going to see with all with with him and his assistants how they're going to form a formulate this team and move these guys around. We're going to see obviously again we're going to see the Smith and Gary going inside a lot. We're going to see Kirksey doing some stunts. We're going to see Kenny Clark maybe stand up a little bit. He, he, like you never know what's going to happen. Like he can stand up on the line. There, there's all these little things that can happen that can make this defense take that next step because that was the big thing in 2010 was they had a really good defense. Like, uh, like Colin Jenkins had a big year. Ryan Pickett did his job very, very well. A Hawk had had a nice year. Bishop was was great. Obviously, Matthews. Like you had Frank Zombo even was a contributor. Like you had every piece that did their job and did it well in the early years of the Capers system. And now it seems to have that again, just more athleticism and more confidence with these guys, and they're having more fun again. So, uh, like like you talked about earlier, I, th- I think. As long as this team, everyone knows that the role and they can continue to gel and, and continue to have that, that smooth communication, which will, will really help early on this year with, their, with, with no fans, I think it's going to help these guys a little bit more to kind of uh, harden things and solidify things, especially when you're playing your toughest in road environments without fans like New Orleans. That's going to help these guys even better. And I think this team is very capable of taking that next step, being a top 10, pushing a top 5 level defense, as long, again, staying healthy. Knock on all, knock on every piece of wood imaginable. This defense, the talent is there, the desire is there. I think the coaching is there. 
It's now it's just we have to see what's going to happen. Well, and, you know, thinking about how this defense can help the offense, obviously there's there's the obvious answers that you can provide, but just think about this defense giving extra opportunities to A.J. Dillon to run over defenders, extra opportunities to one of the greatest quarterbacks we've ever had the opportunity to watch in Aaron Rodgers, just extra opportunities for Matt LaFleur to, to create the illusion of complexity. You know, with every single offense possession this team gets, I feel like they're going to get better, and it's it's – it's gonna it's gonna be on the defensive shoulders to to really make that happen, and I, I I believe I do believe that that will happen. It can happen, and it will. Uh, it just makes me incredibly excited for the year, it, regardless of what's gonna go on with the with all the COVID stuff. Which honestly seems like the NFL is actually doing a good job. I was rather pessimistic at first, but it seems like they're doing a good job. Um, so hopefully that this this continues. And the defense can be a full unit all year long. Um, again, knocking on wood because the injuries can happen to anybody. But if this team can remain healthy and full, the the the, the sky's the limit, honestly, because the, they have the formula. I think there's an identity. It's a pretty clear identity. Um, and if they if if they can live to their potential, live to the potential, that identity will bring the team to a Super Bowl or at least close to. I think. No, I'm with you, and, and I guess I guess my kind of last thought is when you talk about helping the offense, it also will help the special teams because if you can get a big third down stop or get a third or fourth and long, make them ha- and pin them a little bit deeper, that gives more room to maybe get a retur- good return from Tyler Irvin. Like there, there's all those little things going through there as well, and and I do agree with you as well that the NFL, I was pessimistic as well, but they I think they've done a really good job with handling the players, and I think it's, the teams have done a great job of keeping their own guys accountable. And we've seen that in Hard Knocks. We saw Anthony Lynn address the Chargers, like, saying, hey, I had this. You guys need to be smart. You need need to, to take care of yourselves and handle it. And we've seen Aaron Rodgers and Devontae talk about that as well in Zoom calls for the Packers. Like, the teams are doing a good job holding themselves accountable. We've seen really good things with the NHL and NBA. Granted, they're in a bubble, but we've seen really good things there. And even for the most part, with the exception of a couple instances of idiocy in baseball, they've done a pretty decent job. Like, outside of the Cardinals and Marlins, I think baseball's done a pretty good job as well. So I think sports are starting to figure out how to deal with this. I think as a society, we're starting to figure out how to deal with this a little bit better than we were in March and April. And hopefully, as we continue to be smart and and learn and, and we can take examples from these professional sports leagues, that we can start to eventually get back to the spot where we want to be. And it's and it's going to start with those who seem those accountable and through their example, and because a lot of people do watch these guys, we can do the same as well. And I think that's going to go hand-in-hand hand with how, if we want to have fans later this year. I completely agree. I completely agree. And I'm, I'm excited it's working. I'm happy it's working because, man, do I need football in my life right now. Absolutely. And also, and also good to see the, all the players off the list for the Packers as well. Uh, Trayvon Hester, Jay Sternberger, Mason Crosby, Hunter Bradley, and Greg Roberts. Roberts is back on PUP. But good to see all those guys healthy. They're back. And, it's it's again, it's... The numbers have only gone down, in, in at least as far as sports-wise, and things are getting better. And and you're right, I'm, I can't wait for football. It's 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 we're, the preseason was to start a couple weeks ago, so it's it's, it's weird to think that, but we're only a few weeks away from going to New Orleans and seeing what's most likely going to be the final matchup between Rodgers and Breeze. So let's 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 look forward to it and let's get ready to see to see some NFL football. So as we wrap things up, Tyler. Where can people find you, and what are you working on? Yeah, so uh, uh, as always, you can find me on Twitter at Tyler underscore Grez. Um, I recently went on there and outlined what my, my football week will look like. Um, 
It's going to involve draft profiles, fantasy content for Game on Wisconsin. Um, my usual spot here for Sunday, so we'll get. I'm pretty sure we'll get game previews again this year. Uh, we need to we need to confer with the the Pod Father, but um, we uh, I'm pretty sure we'll get game previews again. So I'm, I'm excited to do that because it's a really fun topic every every week. Um, but that'll be on Sundays that the podcast will come out. And then other than that, there's there's a couple other pieces of content I'm doing for Game on Wisconsin. A couple uh, a couple live stream Q and A type things every week. Uh, also, we'll be doing stuff like that for Dynasty Nerds. Um, I'll be doing a weekly QB sit and start article and a weekly live stream Q and A for sit and start as well. So I'll be I'll be all over the internet uh, in a couple weeks. I'll be be pretty frequent on Twitter. I'll be pretty frequent everywhere. So. Um, be sure to keep an eye out for the content that's sure to come down the pipes. For sure, and you can find me on Twitter at Mike Wendland. It's all one word. Um, I'm not doing a ton of writing right now. I'm doing a lot of research. I'm, I'm, still, I'm still working on a book for baseball I've been working on for almost 10 years of trying to create the top 1,000 players. So there's a lot of research going into that and a lot of trying to figure out analytics. And baseball analytics are so much conf- confusion, and, and their calculations are bizarre. So I'm trying to figure piece those out. But I'm also going to be very active on Twitter going forward. Uh, again, guys, respond to our posts, DM us. Like we 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 do, we love we love communicating with you guys. It's it's, it's a blast, and we thank you all for who who commented on the original post for our topic for today. It's 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 always a blast. Also, check out the Game on Wisconsin guys. They a lot of them also podcast here, and they do such great work. And it's it's been really cool to see the first month of you guys grow with that. Oh, it's been outstanding. It's it, it actually, I'll use this as a moment to thank everybody who is listening to us and also has been participating in the game on Wisconsin stuff because we, as a team over there, could not have fathomed that the first month would be as successful as it has been. So thank you to everybody who's doing that. And uh, be sure to keep it up and let us know how we can continue to improve and provide better content. Absolutely. And as, as, I, as I think I messaged Jacob, if you guys ever get a, ever get a summer co-host, I'm right here as well. Uh, but also, if you guys get a chance, check out the locker room app. Uh, it's 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 in the beta process right now, but you can find it. Uh, we we'll be able to get you a link if you need to. Just reach out to us. It's been a lot of uh, it was a lot of fun. I was on it this past Thursday with with Andy and Gage, and it's just a little audio thing. It's basically just uh, you guys are talking talking about football. It's really fun. We can we're being very candid. We're talking about the team. It's really a lot of fun as well. And of course, check out the Packaday podcast every single day. That's why we have the name we have. We have not missed one yet, and we don't plan to for the foreseeable future until the internet tells us not to. So check out that tomorrow. Again, obviously, Andy, Perry, and uh, they'll be back tomorrow doing more of the content. Uh, check us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast, wherever podcasts are found, whether it's iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify. It is all there as well. So for Tyler Grezegork, this is Mike Wendland saying so long for now, everyone. Stay safe. Always carry the G. Look forward to some more football in a few weeks. And go Pack Go. <laughs>
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.